interested in being trained to run sound. Um, right now, we actually have somebody running sound, I think, once a month. The rest of the time, just kind of sits alone and, and feeds back. And So if, if you're interested in learning, there is absolute, complete training for that. And uh, if you're interested in getting involved in any of the audio or video, video ministries, uh, see Ed or myself. Um, and like I said, we won't just throw you in there for the wolves, but uh, we'll make sure you get training. Thank you, Jaden. And uh, amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Hallelujah. I will try to be nicer to you than I was last night to the group. We went half an hour over last night. So look at that. People are already scared. But, but yeah, we talked about it this morning and found out that one of the reasons we didn't start until 20 minutes late. And so, so that, it wasn't all my fault there, but, but I'll be nicer. I, I, so, praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. We're going to read for a little while, so hang on. It says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as is in the rebellion. In the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Lord Jesus, I pray for the message this morning that You would touch, bless, and anoint it. God, I pray that my words would be Your words. I pray, God, that I would slipply, quickly and silently slip away, God, and that You would come and take preeminence. Lord, I pray that any words that I speak that are not of You would, would fall on deaf ears, that they would not hear those. But the words that are from You, God, would quicken the heart and quicken the spirit this morning. Bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's no quick fix in life. There's really no quick fix. You know, I remember about 20 years ago, before the onslaught of the internet really came into being, that people would walk around and say, man, we're living in the microwave generation. You remember that, that people saying that, going, boy, we're living in the microwave generation. Everything wants things quick. I believe we've passed the microwave generation now. Now we're living in something new. It used to be quick stop, fast money, 
Federal Express, Rapid Transit, and Jiffy Lube. All those things speaking of how quick we wanted things done. But today we live in a whole other place. Today we live in a, a land of instant messaging, instant downloads, instant hot water. We don't just have instant coffee, but you can have instant Starbucks thanks to Starbucks Via, right? We want it all, we want it all right now in our home. And I remember growing up here in this mountain, waiting for months sometimes, weeks and weeks, months, for a movie that got released to come up to Big Bear and finally make it to our little theater. That was back in the days that we had one building and it was one really large theater next to Jack in the Box. And movies like Star Wars took like two months after being released to make it up to the mountain. And we used to have to wait. But now, now we can download things the day a movie is released, I can sit in my house and download it from Netflix and watch it on my computer the same day it's released. We have it instantly. We have everything. We want it right now. We, don't, and we even measure things in milliseconds today. Milliseconds. You know, forget weeks and months. We're talking milliseconds. Pastor Jeff's computer is still down. And he's been talking with a guy named Brian. Hello, my name is Brian. How can I provide you most excellent service today? And Brian has been helping him to get rid of these viruses. And it's still, he's just having a problem. But so the other day, I was, I was helping him run a test to find out if he had internet connection. And so we went to our little command prompt and did this thing. You type in ping and you type in a web address. We typed in Yahoo to find out how quick your information goes there or if it even goes. And it came back saying that it went from his computer through the internet, touched that computer, and came back in 35 milliseconds. That's how fast this internet thing is, right? Bang, bang, 35 milliseconds. We measure things that fast. I think it's a thousandth of a second. A thousandth of a second. My goodness. Yeah, you know, the computer does all that for us. I mean, it's just, it's really, really interesting. Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy the technology. We have a lot of it. I enjoy having the ability. But I believe that it's, it's not good for us. It's coming in. It's beginning to corrode some of the important fabrics of our society and of our Christian walk. It's beginning to destroy vital framework of what God intended. We're beginning to want it now. I don't know about you, but there's been times that I've sent off an email that was really important and I needed the information back. And so I sent this off going, I really need this information. And like two hours later, I'm like, where is it? I mean, I expected them to get my, my request, process it immediately and send an answer back right now. You know, we used to write a letter and send it. You know, we know, well, it's going to take three, five, seven days. It's going to get there. We might get an answer in a month. You know, that was back in the days when some, some, some people would write a check and say, I'm really glad this is going to take about a week to clear, right? You know, instant, you know I, who remembers the time that it really switched over in those few times that you, you know, were writing checks going, oh, it should take about a week. And like the next day you get a bounce check thing. Things have changed. Everything's happening right now. And it's come into our lives. It's beginning to, it's beginning to fashion and shape and form us instead of the other way around. Whatever happened to statements like good things, come patience this one was just simple wait and see and people say wait and see we don't want to wait and see 
I remember my mom, I believe, used to say this, work hard and just maybe, and then you can finish the statement. Work hard and just maybe, it'll come to pass. Work hard and just maybe you'll get what you're wanting. Now it's, don't worry about the work hard, just go out and buy it. You know, we, we think it's a promise. We think it's an entitlement. We think it's a right. Um, you know, a little here, a little there, right? We used to say these things. We used to live by them. We, you know, the generation before, the generation some of you grew up in, or at least parents, you know, were in that. It's about working hard and knowing that, that there's reward in the long time. Uh, not that long ago, people would work hard and they would wait until their retirement years and then they would buy a motorhome. And then, after living in a small home their whole life and working hard and earning it, they would get in their motorhome and drive around and, en- and enjoy those years of life. Now, we hit 23 years old and we think, well, I should have a motorhome and we go out and buy it now. We want it all now. We want it all now. Sometimes we even want God and God's answer in an instant. We want Him right now to just fix everything for me right now. We go to counseling. We go to Christian counseling, Christian marriage counseling, and we want to fix for our marital issues today. I've had people come in and, and, and tell me their woes, and you know, boy, they've been seven years of marriage and just problems, and they come in and we, we get done with maybe an hour of counseling, and, and that's all I'll ever do. You know, after about 45 minutes, it's just a waste of time to keep talking. And they're like, is that it? What were you expecting? They want their marriage fixed now. Yet they took seven years to mess it up. Christianity is not a now thing. Christianity is not a sprint. Christianity is a marathon. We need to live our lives understanding the principles that things in God take a while. That it's about the long term, not about the short term. See, we, 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 want, we want to have a changed life now. And we want other people around us to have a changed life. We have so we get people saved, and immediately many of us will go say, "Well, now you need now that you're saved, you need to stop smoking, you need to stop drinking, now you stop drugging, you need to move out from your girlfriend, stop cussing, stop lying, stop gossiping." You know, aren't you glad that when you got saved, God didn't demand all of that to you? One of the greatest testimonies I ever heard happened in this church. And, and, and it was great because of God's faithfulness. It may have been Bob Hughes, for those of you who remember Bob Hughes. But it, it may have also been somebody else. And he came up and he got saved. And this guy um, was into drugs, both doing and selling. I believe, I believe they had killed somebody. I mean, a murderer, right? Got saved and came up and said a testimony something like this. Man, God is effing great. He delivered me from effing drugs. But he's not saying F-I-N-G. He's saying the whole word. And, you know, I'm going, this is church. But the moment my shock wore off, I realized it was the greatest testimony because God took a soul who was so unconverted and changed him. And God didn't care about his language at the moment. He really didn't. We, we did. There was, boy, there was people squirming. I was looking around. There was people squirming for sure. <laughs> See, God's not, I'm going to do everything right now in an instant. He can, but He chooses to, He knows for us, it's the long haul. It's the long haul. We are in it for the marathon church, not for the sprint. Amen?
I was thinking about this this week, and, and this is really a, a jump off of, of Pastor Jeff's message last week when he talked about the, the four different things, one of them being a spiritual, biblical worldview. And I realized one of the reasons that we want everything instantly is because we don't have a spiritual, biblical worldview. We've allowed our culture to come in and invade us, and we think that, that we just apply these principles now to God. The other side is that he was talking about the spiritual journey we're on. We're on a spiritual journey. It's a long time thing. Some of you have been saints and saved for a very long time. And there's going to be a lot in this message. I think you're just going to say, Amen. I've been there, done it. It's proved out to be true. Those of us who've been saved less, and you know, we need to look to those, the saints who've been walking a long time so we don't get discouraged. But, but this message was there. And, and so I was reading and I, just a couple things were quickened to me. This is a, out of Genesis 25, Genesis 25. Don't turn there, but it just simply says this. This is the sum of years of Abraham's life which he lived. 175 years. Deuteronomy 34.7 says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. 175 years old. Moses, 120. How many instances in Abraham's life do we find mentioned in the Bible? Not 175 years worth. Just snippets. Things that, that where God met him in incredible ways. When he met him on the mountain with Isaac was a mountaintop experience for Abraham. When he spoke to him and he says, I'm going to give you all of this. There was different times in Abraham's life that were mountaintop experiences. But for the most of 175 years of Abraham's life, it was just normal. It was just real. It was just day to day. And yet in Hebrews 11, in Hebrews 11 we have what's called the Hall of Faith. What some people call the Hall of Faith. And it goes through and talks about the patriarchs. It talks about Abraham. By faith, in uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. It talks about Moses in verse 23. It talks about Sarah. It's even listed a prostitute in, in the Hall of Faith, which you know I believe God puts Rahab the prostitute in there to encourage us. We don't have to be perfect to make it into God's hall of faith. Right. God can use us if we'll just give Him that which we have. Amen? And these people though, one, two, just a, moments of their life where, where we know that they had mountaintop experiences. Did they meet with, other, with God other times? I'm sure. But they went up onto the mountain a number of times. But the majority of their life was lived down on the flatlands. Just in the day-to-day -day life. Because Christianity is about the long term. It's about learning how to be steadfast. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. You know, I was even thinking of Paul as you're turning there. I was thinking of Paul. Paul was probably born around 4, 5 AD, probably. Um, got saved in uh, a, somewhere between 33 and 37 A.D. and then w died or was killed in, in 67. So he spent at least 30 years of his life serving God. Now he had some incredible mountaintop experiences, but he had some other normal times and he had some really, really, really tough times 
for 30 years. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get a little older and realizing I, I've been saved now for about 25 years. I'm, I'm like, wow, man, 25 years I've been walking with the Lord. You know, Paul, Paul did it 30 years before he was killed. That's a, that's a long time. And he did not have the best of situations in his life. I'm not knocking on anyone's door saying, sign me up. You know, that's, you know so many of us say, I'll die for Christ. But if I were to pull out a gun and say, who's first? Well, maybe not. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, the therefore, when you see a therefore in Scripture, what you need to do, it's asking a question. Go and look to see what it's there for. When you see therefore in a Scripture, something was just said. And so you need to go read a couple verses before that and say, what is that therefore, therefore? In 56, it says, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the therefore is there. The sting of death is sin, the strength of the sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we have the victory, we can be steadfast, we can be immovable, we can always abound in the works of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. But see, it's about being steadfast. It's not about the flash in the pan Christianity. How many people have we seen get saved? They get really excited and on fire for God. We think they're going to be the next great evangelist because everywhere they go, they're telling people about Jesus. Boom, 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 boom. But within a month or two, they're done. They're done. I remember there was a... a, a, And I forget who it was now. We've seen a lot of stars in our time come to the Lord. And, and a lot of people, as soon as a star comes to the Lord, the, the idea, intent, what we normally do is we take that person, we put them up on a pedestal because we want them to be an example of Christianity. And we shove them back right out into the limelight so they can say, look, they got saved. And so often when that happens, they fall quickly. There was somebody uh, who got saved years ago, and I believe it was a, it was a rock star. Um, but when they got saved... Their pastor grabbed them and they submitted to it and says, you can't speak anywhere in public for a year. Refused. Because they wanted them to to grow and begin to learn how to be steadfast. Grow in their faith before we do the flash in the pan thing. That's a dangerous thing. We'll burn out. And so Christianity is is about the long term. Let's go to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5. Starting in verse 6. Hallelujah. It says, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that may He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Hear that this morning, church. Cast your cares on Him. He cares for you. The first part is very important too. Humble yourselves. Don't wait till God does it. It's, it's a lot easier if you'll do it than, than wait for God to do it. Amen? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings 
we are experiencing, or are experienced by your brothers in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Be vigilant. Be steadfast. After you've suffered a while, God is going to perfect you. God is going to do things. We are not in this for the short run. We are in this for a long time. If anyone came up to me today and said, Hey, let's go for a 10-mile trek. Let's go run for 10 miles. I'm going to say, You run, I'll walk. Because if I start running knowing that my goal is 10 miles down the road, I'm going to get about a mile a mile and a half at the most because I'm out of shape and I'm going to be sucking wind and found on the side of the road. <gasps> but I can walk for 10 miles. Now some of you could run it. Some of you might be able to run that 10 miles. But I know for me, in order to be steadfast in this race, I'm going to walk. Now, after I walk a lot, and if I started walking 10 miles a day, I could probably start jogging two or three pretty quickly. And in some time, I could run the 10 miles. But I need to be steadfast in order to get there. You need to go for the long time and build it up. Slowly but surely. Poco a poco. Paso a paso. Because we're going to have in our life sufferings. Amen? Who can relate with that? Sufferings. If we're not steadfast and going in it for the long haul, the trials are going to come and they're going to snuff us out because right. we're really not ready for it. Right. We're not ready for it. We've got the we. I love the we. <laughs> we got we for Christmas. Does anyone, does anyone not know what the Wii is? It's that game that it's got the controllers and you actually do the motions and so it's a lot of fun to play. And on one of our games we have Wii Boxing. And so you take the two controllers and it's been fun. I got to box with Shannon. This is great. She knocked me out on the first round. The shame. So we grab these controllers and... And people who've played it a long time, they, you, you, you kind of find the trick that you don't have to do too much motion. You can kind of do this and it hits. But that's no fun. I want to get into it. So here I am in my living room with Shannon and we're all, you know, you can duck and box. And we're going. And after a couple of rounds of boxing with controllers, I'm all, I mean, it's as bad as when we really fight. I'm not trained to go the long haul. If I ever get in a fight, I better knock him out in the first couple of seconds or he better knock me out because, you know, putting up your hands and going like this for five or ten minutes, man, it, it, it's hard. Because I haven't built up stamina. I couldn't be steadfast in that moment. I need to learn how to be steadfast to go in the long haul. If you've ever seen anybody in training for boxing or anything else, there's a lot of running and, and conditioning your body so that you can go. The long haul. Otherwise, you're going to be out. Can you imagine Michael Jordan? If he couldn't run back and forth up and down the court and all he could do was shoot, the game would be over. He, you know, that's not very exciting to go out and just run. 
But he has to condition himself so that when the game comes, he can run up and down the court for 60 minutes. 2 Peter 1. Next book, just a few pages over. See, we're not in this alone. See, God is calling us to go for the long haul, not the short haul. And it's in Second Peter, it says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Say, everything. God has given you everything you need for a life of godliness. Everything. Through, not ourselves, but our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He's given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then it goes on and begins to teach us that for this very reason, make every effort, strain every nerve, is another rendition of that. Strain every nerve to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a progression. As we walk these things, we begin to add these things to our life. And it's long term. We might today be able to just run out and show brotherly kindness and love to somebody because we're in a good mood. But tomorrow when we're not in a good mood, if we haven't trained ourselves to do it, we won't be able to. But with time and consistency, walking out our faith, these things will begin to be a byproduct of our life. You met those people who've just been steady in the Lord for many, many years. Maybe they've never done anything great, but you look at their life and they just go, they just exude the fruit of the Spirit. They exude godliness. It's because they've walked step by step a little here, a little there, going for steadfastness, going for the long term. Last week, Pastor Jeff said, what's your goal? What do you go? He wasn't talking about goals, but he says, what do you want to see accomplished in your spiritual journey? He's talking about a spiritual journey. And, and you know, if it's about memorizing 50 scriptures, you can memorize 50 scriptures next December. Start just a couple of weeks before the end of the year, and by January 1st next year, you will know 50 scriptures. I guarantee most of you in here could do that. I also guarantee if you wait until December to do that, by January 3rd, you'll have forgotten them. Right? Remember cramming for tests? I was the world's best crammer because I was the world's worst procrastinator. I waited until the day of or the day before to study for tests. And I could, I mean, I, you know, th- thank God that I was a good test taker because I didn't do homework. I waited until right before the tests came and I'd study and cram and I'd pass the test. Three or four days later, I wouldn't even know who George Washington was. <laughs> who? Because I didn't do it over the long haul. 
reading, studying, growing a little bit here and a little bit there. How many of you ever tried to lose weight today? Right? I mean, you know, you go, I'm going to do something. You do something drastic and you get on this crazy diet and, you know, you're, and the next day you step on the scale and you're disappointed because you only lost a pound or something. You're like, that's pretty good today. If you could do that every day, you'd be 365 pounds lighter next year. We want to lose it all now. But we know long term, it's about a lifestyle change, about saying no to the brownie most of the time and just eating it occasionally. It's a lifestyle. It's long term. That's where God is bringing us into long term. In Hebrews 12, it's talking about the great cloud of witnesses. And it says, you know, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who is that? That was all the people from the Hall of Faith. We're surrounded by them. Let us throw off every hindrance and run with perseverance. Let us throw off every hindrance, every weight, and run with perseverance. Perseverance means, in the Greek, it's hupamane, who cares. But my mom, my mom liked that, might like that word because it's close to hoopy. Hupamane, <laughs> which means constancy. Now, now it's, it's translated different ways, but it says perseverance. Perseverance can also be constancy. I like that one better. Because it's about always doing it. In order to persevere, in order to, we have to be constant, church. You can't come to church one day a week and think that your spiritual life is going to be okay. You have to constantly be aware of it. Now, it doesn't mean that every day you have to be spending hours in, in services and reading the Word, but you have to be always mindful. We're going to always do it constantly. We're going to persevere. In Hebrews 5, let's go ahead and go to Hebrews. I love Hebrews. Last night, you know, God just wanted to encourage me because I was really kind of, you know, doing what most pastors and preachers do. We always fret before our messages. God, is this from you? Is this good? And, and you know, I felt like there was a word, and next thing I know, Victor Vasquez stood up and he read part of my scriptures. I says, Praise God. Uh, Hebrews 5.11. Let's go to just 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. When I got discipled 25 years ago, it was in a table under a table in the fireside room. Any of you guys remember the fireside room? The room next door used to be called the fireside room, and it was at six o'clock in the morning. And I don't even remember the guy's name who who helped me, Pastor Jeff. I have to remind me. Um, but he met with me at six a.m. and and we started here in Hebrews six one. 
And, and, and I remember going through it and see, because these are the elementary principles of Christ. How are we on the elementary stuff, church? Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's an elementary principle. Faith toward God is elementary. Doctrine of baptisms is elementary. Laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. All those things are the elementary principles of Christ. I go, boy, man, maybe I'm a babe. But these things come through constant use. In verse uh, 14, it talked about solid food belongs to those who are of full age, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you have the uh, NIV, yours says something different. It says, by constant use have trained themselves to discern good and evil. Who constant use. It's about the constancy of our walk with Christ. It's not just about the flash today, this, this Sunday. It's not about the event. We really like events. We really I like events. We like to go to the events that we have planned. We have things like promise keepers and women of faith. We have cell seminars and prayer seminars. We have encounter retreats, godly men's weekends. We have healing explosions. We have couples conferences, Harvest Crusade, Notch Jubilee. We have Spirit West Coast, pastors and leader schools, short-term missions trips. You can go with Chuck Swindoll and visit the Holy Land. You can take a Christian cruise. Right? You can do all these things. Events. These are great events, right? And we love events because when you go to these events, it's like you're on the mountaintop. Who's ever said, yeah, I love the mountaintop. I just, God, take me to the mountaintop. We come into worship and we want the mountaintop. We see, we were never created to live on the mountaintop. That's not where we're supposed to live. We go up the mountain to meet with God and then we come back down. We have that example for us throughout the Scriptures. Throughout the Scriptures, you know, Noah... After the flood, he landed on the mountaintop. Thank God for that mountaintop where he met with God because his boat rested on top of the mountain. Do you know he didn't stay up there? He descended. Moses ascended the mountain and he received the Ten Commandments and he descended. Moses went up another mountain. He received his mission. He stood on holy ground in front of the burning bush and he met with God. He took off his sandals. But he came down from that mountain. Abraham went up the mountain to offer his son. God met him there and he found out that God is Jehovah Jireh. But Abraham descended the mountain. Elijah met God on Mount Horeb. God told him to anoint Hazael, Yehu and Elisha. But then Elijah, he came down the mountain. Jesus and his disciples, they ascended the mountain and he was transfigured in front of them and they were all filled and they saw the glory of God and they knew who Jesus was. But at the end of that, they all descended. In fact, when you don't descend the mountain, the result is not good. Moses finally went up a mountain at the end of his life. He looked into the promised land and he didn't descend because he died. You can't stay on the mountain. You have to come down. But often in our Christianity, we want to jump from mountaintop to mountaintop because it's safe and it's comfortable and it's, it's yummy and ooh, I feel so good when I'm up there. And so we'll spend most of our time looking for another conference. When can I go to the next conference? I want to do this, I want to do that. But God didn't call us to live on the mountaintop. He called us to live on the flatlands. 175 years for Abraham. I'm thankful I don't have to do it that long. (laughs) 
God is looking for us to be the long term. What's that going to look like? You know, the thing is, it can look like different for every one of us. Like I said, I couldn't go out and run 10 miles today. Some of you could. And so you're going to, if you're going to go out and continue on in your running, you're going to push yourself a little bit more each time. You're going to maybe go for a faster record because you're going to keep growing and you're going to keep growing. For me, I'm going to start off slow. I'm going to walk. But then after I've been doing that for a while, I might start jogging. I'm going to add it up. See, the wonderful thing about God is everyone's in a different place and He meets us all where we're at. There's a lot of things that we can do to begin to, to, to walk out our faith. None of it we can do on our own strength. It's kind of the disclaimer. There always needs to be a disclaimer. We can't do any of it. We already read the Scriptures. It's all because of His grace. We need to lean into His grace to say, God, I can't do it, but help me. It's like when the disciple says, we believe, increase our faith. You know, we can, can't do it on our own, but with God's help, with God's strength, He's going to give us the strength to continue on. And so that we can, as, as the Scripture read earlier, enter into the rest, because that's what we're going for. You know, I, I see a church, I see a group of people today that, that at the end of the year I want to see all of you here. I don't want to lose one of you this year to a sin problem, to falling off the way, to getting sidetracked, to letting the enemy who, the, who says he prowls around like a lion, him come in and devour you. I want to help you be steadfast and I need your help to help me to be steadfast. So we can make it. At the end of this year, I have, a, I have a vision, I have a desire that every cell group this year is going to lead one family to Christ and disciple them. You know, we've often said, let's double our cell groups. For me, this is just my personal vision, and now it's out on tape and everything. <laughs> tape, boy, that's old. <laughs> it's recorded. Every cell group to lead one family to Christ this year. So as we look around the room this morning, all of us should be here next December at the end of the year because we won't let anyone fall away. And on top of that, we're going to add 16 new families to the kingdom of God and they'll be discipled with their kids and they'll be here in the kingdom of God because we're going to be steadfast. If we go out today and say, let's just double our cell groups, we probably could do that. And by the end of the year, we'd be back down to 15 because they'll close, because we're not ready. We need to go long term. We need to think we're in this for a really long time. And sometimes it's going to be plain old Wednesday night, 6 p.m., let's go to cell group again. I mean, come on, it's not always exciting, is it? But it's good for you. It's good for you to be with the family of God consistently. You can't do it on your own. We can't do it on our own. This year, if you find some mountains, go on up. Get filled with God. Touch God. But be ready to come down and put what you've been touched with into practice for the long haul in your life. I want to encourage you, there's a lot of things. I, I know that sometimes we come to messages and the end of the year, this really isn't a, this was, it's not supposed to be an end of the year kind of, you know, let's make resolutions thing. But I know that it's easy to come into a service or get inspired like you have to do crazy things for God. Who's ever felt that conviction or condemnation that you had to do something crazy for God and, and bit off way more than you can chew and failed within a week? You know, am I the only one? That's just something that happens. That's not what God is looking for. It's constancy. What can you do constantly this year in your growth? 
You know, I wrote some really basic things down. And wherever you're at, if you're already doing that, step it up a little bit. The vision God gave me for my life, and until He changes it, this is what, I, what He's called me to do, is to take everyone I come in contact with one step closer to God. If they don't know Jesus, then it might just be a seed. You know, God really loves you. God bless you. But if they know Jesus, it's, it's to help them grow in their faith and grow in their maturity a little bit. But some of these things I just wrote down, they were kind of simple. This year, if you're not reading your Bible, make, a, make that... I'm, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read a chapter a day. If you're not reading anything, a chapter a day is wonderful. In fact, if you're not reading your Bible at all or on a consistent basis, don't even try with a chapter at the beginning. Read a scripture. Say, I can do a scripture. I can do one scripture today. And do that for a while. And after a while, you're going to do a little bit more. Prayer. Boy, how many times we've heard Madison say, I'm just going to pray more. I'm going to get up at 5.30 tomorrow. And tomorrow rolls around and 5.30 works the next day, it's 5.45 and, you know, and you're praying for five minutes. By the end of the week, you're done. I had a friend who was so committed to prayer, and if this works for you, go ahead and do it. Jeff Fisher, he and I, he, he used to witness to me. He backslid, then I got saved, and I witnessed to him. And he was an atheist, and he came back to Jesus. Kind of fun, fun relationship. He was so committed that he set his alarm clock out in his shed because he found out he'd sleep in. He would sleep through anything. And so he set his alarm clock in his shed and he hooked up an amplifier and a speaker that was like this big. And he put that by his, by his bed, right? And so his alarm would go off out. This is in Big Bear, outside in a shed. And out in the little shed, he had a little piece of carpet, his Bible, and a little light. And when that alarm went off, he would go outside because it was so loud and he would wake up as soon as he opened his back door into the cold air and he'd go in there and turn off his alarm and then he would just kneel down and have his devotions. You know, do what you have to do. It was somebody, it was one of the great, great men of faith who actually had to do his devotions standing on his bathtub, on the edge of his bathtub. Remember that, Phil, hearing that, Philip? Why? Because he knew if he sat down or stood anywhere else or laid down, he's going to fall asleep. I'm not falling asleep here. You know, whatever it is, but as you, as you go through this, push it up just a little bit. That's what I'm saying. Oh, really, this is just about pushing it up a little bit. Make it doable. You know, we were talking about prayer. You know, prayer. If you're not praying at all, don't go try to pray an hour a day. It's probably not going to work. Try this. God, thank you for this food. Really, God, thank you for this food because you're my provider. Amen. So you're starting a conversation. Pretty soon it's going to get bigger and better. Tell somebody you're going to pray for them and do it. Simple things. Rather than feeling like you've got to go downtown and pass out tracts, just at the store, how are you today? Oh, I'm not very good. You know, so always, I always get caught by surprise when you ask the clerk how they're doing. How are you doing? Oh, horrible. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping just fine and we could move on, but... You know, next time that happens, just say simply, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. What's your name? And then, thank you. And you walk. You don't have to do it right there. You know, you you don't have to jump over the counter and say, in Jesus' name! But when you go home, pray for her or him. Start with little things. Turn the TV off. You want to get closer to God this year? 
Turn the TV off. One show. Take that one show. I'm not going to watch that show anymore. Watch the movies you're watching. Just little steps for God. For parents, you're trying to raise godly kids. Don't, don't, don't try to do it off. You're not doing things with your kids in the Word. You know, don't try to do everything at once. Your kids will freak out because they won't know what you're doing with them. But go just start off with maybe tucking them into bed and praying for them. Just tuck them in and pray for them. If you're doing that, maybe sit on the bed and read them a few scriptures. If you're doing that, get up in the morning and teach them how to do devotions with them. See what I mean? Wherever you're at, do a step above. Push it up just a little bit and do that for a long time before you add something else to it. And pretty soon you'll be walking and you're going to start jogging and you're going to start running and maybe one day you'll be Ryan Hall for Jesus. One thing that's going to help our consistency and constancy is attend a lighthouse. Get into a group of people they're going to hold you accountable. I'm really thankful. We're, we're our official starting. We had a meeting last week. But my, I launched a cell and this Wednesday is our official start, and we talked about that. We're here to hold each other accountable, help each other grow. You know, I can't hold anyone accountable in this room. I don't have relationship enough with you. But get together on a weekly basis where we can say, how are you doing? Can I help you walk today? Can I help you to be steadfast today? It's a great place to grow. I'm really excited. Uh, we got another lighthouse going to be started really soon. And I'm just excited about people getting discipled and growing. And that's what Jesus called us to. He wanted us to be disciples, not just converts. You know, if, if, if being a convert is all we needed, there would be two ministries in the church. Evangelists and assassins. Get somebody saved and kill them and send them home. I've met people that I thought we should have done that with. You know that person who just chronically comes back to the Lord and then backslides and then, you know, it's like you kind of want to just go, come back to the Lord and as soon as you do, we're just going to send you to Jesus. But he didn't want us to just be converts. He wants us to be disciples. Go and make disciples. People, disciple is really similar to the word discipline. I wonder if there's a connection there. It's long term. It's steadfast. It's constant. And that's what he's looking for. I can't wait to get to the end of my life and, and, and I, I pray and desire that people, my children, people around will say he was constant. Not because he was a pastor, but because he was a disciple. He loved his wife his whole marriage. Though they had some radical fights, they had some hard times, but he was constant in his marriage. You know, these principles are, are universal, aren't they? It's about the day-to-day and not about the flash in the pan. Ladies, you'll agree with this. Ladies, you don't want us to just take you on a wonderful romantic anniversary weekend once a year and think that we're done. Is that all we have to do? Just come nice one weekend, you know, treat you really good for the weekend and then forget our relationship with you the rest of the year. It doesn't work with you. That's not what God's looking for either. It doesn't work for your marriage. Let's stand as I read the last scripture in closing. Matthew 28, 16-20. Another example of climbing the mountain.
the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. They went up the mountain. When they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, we thank You that You've commissioned us. God, that You've called us to be Your disciples and to make other disciples. Lord, we're all in a different place in this room today. I pray that You would encourage each one of us to take, begin to walk or begin to take a next step in our, in our long-term steadfastness with You. God, I pray that our stamina would slowly pick up and increase. Lord, we need You, God. We can't do this without You. Encourage us. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit because through the Holy Spirit and power that we can accomplish anything. Lord, we thank You that You are with us always to the very end of the age. God, I pray that You would burn this message into our heart and help us to lean on You and be the disciples that You're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 I thought the burning bush would buy the mountain at the bottom. I gotta look it up. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's it's part it's it's part it's up on the hill.